0: Hey guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Welcome to another year, Trinity. Another year, another closer day to all these things we've been reading in the book of Revelation. How many of you are excited about that? Woo-hoo. How many of you want to get out of here? Woo-hoo. No, yeah. Sorry. We're going to have to go through the study of the book of Revelation first, Lord willing, unless he comes. Now, uh, I want you to turn to the ninth chapter of Revelation. We're going to be in there in just a minute. But I want to do a little review, kind of catch us up where we are. We're in that section of the book from chapter 6 through 19, which deals with the tribulation period. Now we know that that time is going to end when Jesus Christ comes again sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives and establishes his kingdom but this seven year period of time is divided into three judgments first you have the seven sealed scroll of Revelation chapter 6 then you have the seven trumpets of God in Revelations chapter 8 and 9 we're in the middle of that right now we'll be concluding that Lord willing today and then we're going to be looking at the seven bowls of wrath which don't really pour out until the 16th chapter of Revelation. So, so far, we have looked at the seven-sealed scroll and the four-trumpet judgments. Now, as these judgments have come, what's amazing is that men still fail to repent. Now, we know that there's going to be the sealing of 104,000, 144,000. We know that, that many are going to come to Christ during the tribulation, but it's amazing how many do not heed the warning. So where we left off uh, last week was with the sounding of the fourth trumpet, and immediately after that there is a woe. It's as if God pauses, and he gives us three woes of revelation which correspond to the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet. Now, we've already seen the first four trumpets, and that's devastation upon the earth's ecology. First of all, a third of the earth's vegetation and grasses are destroyed. And then a third of the seas and the ships of the seas and marine life are destroyed. And then a third of the fresh water supply of the earth is is destroyed. And then the the third of the luminaries, the sun, the moons, and the stars are going to be darkened. So he pauses here and he gives us a woe. So we're going to examine those three woes today and those three trumpets as we continue to move through our study. Let's bow together. It's coming. You're coming. Life is coming to your desired end. Genesis is a book of beginnings. Revelation, a book of completion. And Father, I want to thank you that you have given us glimpses into the future in order to make preparation in how we live today for the decisions we make today determine all of eternity and how we're going to enter in and deal with this book of Revelation. Lord, we want to thank you for the guidance of your spirit up to this point in our study. We'd ask that you'd continue to allow your spirit to be the one that teaches us today the one that opens up this passage of scripture and then not only give us understanding but wisdom that which we can see from your perspective for we're viewing all of this from heaven not not from earth where man can see it but from heaven where we can see it from your perspective so give us that understanding give us that application to our life that we will be equipped and wise understanding the times in which we live and what times are coming for us. So Lord, we we rejoice as all of heaven rejoice when you are able to stand and open this scroll because it's going to bring the last opportunity for man to repent and for your people Israel to come to recognize you as their Messiah. So Lord, help us to recognize that you are that living Messiah And that you will come again, not on a lowly donkey, but on a great white charger, declaring yourself to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And to bring earth peace with the establishment of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's begin to look. Let's go to the ninth chapter of Revelation. We're going to be looking at the threefold judgments of God, the the scrolls. Now let's go look because they're introduced in the 8th chapter, chapter 8, verse 13. And I looked and I heard an angel or uh, an eagle flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So I want us to get the picture here because God pauses here a moment after the fourth trumpet. And he gives the first warning, woe followed by the fifth trumpet then he pauses again and he gives another warning woe, and the sounding of the sixth trumpet then he's going to pause again the third time and give us another woe, which will unleash the seventh trumpet and flowing out of the seven trumpets will be the final bowls poured out upon the earth which we won't see until the 16th chapter i'll explain why there's a delay in that as we get to the end of our message But the word woe means warning, it means sorrow, it means calamity, it means affliction. Now the primary Greek word is an explanation of grief. So we have grief upon grief upon grief, woe, grief, woe, grief, woe, grief. grief. Grief is coming. Now the reason why this is so important is so far the trumpets have all been on the earth's ecology and on the seas and on the grasses and on the water these last three are going to be poured out on the inhabitants of the earth on man himself so the first woe and i want you to mark these so you can find them in your bible as we go through them let's go to revelation chapter 9 verse 1 and you see the first woe is actually the fifth trumpet and the fifth angel sounded would you underline that so you can find it the fifth angel sounds Then let's go to the second woe. You have to go over to the ninth chapter, and you go to verse 13. You see the sixth angel sounded. So mark that, the sixth angel. Then go over to Revelation chapter 11, and mark verse 15. It says, then the seventh angel sounded. Now the reason I have you mark that, so as we go through our study, you can easily find and identify these trumpets which identify the first, second, and third woe. So let's go look at the first woe, the first fifth trumpet, men are smitten with demonic locusts. Let's go to chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, follow along with me now, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit or the shaft of the abyss. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Who has the seal of God on their foreheads? 144,000, so they can't touch them. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like a torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They were desired to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were the crowns of something like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like woman's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon but in Greek his name is Apollyon now let's go look at these demonic locusts here notice here in verse 1 it says I saw a star now this star is not a literal star why do I say that because he is attached to it the star is a he rather than a literal star now this person this star is given a key to the abyss, to the bottomless pit. Now, some say, well, this this star is Satan himself because he's fallen from heaven, and Isaiah 14, 12 says he's the star of the morning. I don't think so. The reason I say that is going to be several reasons. Number one, Jesus Christ is never going to give Satan, the king, the the key to this bottomless pit. If you go back to Revelation chapter 1 and and look very carefully there in chapter 1, verse 18, you're going to see... That I am he who lives Jesus saying who is dead and behold I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of hell or Hades that's the unseen or the unseen realm in the Greek and of death now let me tell you who I think this could be go over with me to Revelation chapter 20 and let's go take a look at this Revelation the 20th chapter and verse 1 which we're going to get to uh, several months from now (laughs) let's go to Revelation chapter 20 verse 1 then I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain and of course we see there that this angel is going to bound satan for a thousand years there in the bottomless pit now turn back with me hold your place in revelation turn back with me to luke i want you to go pick up an account here let's go back to luke chapter 8 and let's look at verse 26. This is the account of Jesus with the Gadarene uh, demon act. Let's go look at that. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Then they sailed the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out of the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Now, some translations will see that he wore clothes for, for a long time. So either he didn't wear clothes for a long time or he had demons for a long time. Either way, it depends on your translation. And he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And notice verse 31 very carefully. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the what? abyss. So a herd of swine was there, and Jesus cast him into the swine. Now, Luke 8:31 indicates that there is an abode called the abyss of demons. And let's go over to now to 2nd Peter we're going to get back to Revelation let's go over to 2nd Peter chapter 2 let's go look at verses 4 and 5 you with me so far let's go to 2nd Peter chapter 2 let's look at verses 4 and 5 for if God did not spare the angels and these are the fallen angels that fell but cast them down to hell and that's the word Tartarus the unseen world same word that we have in these other illustrations but delivered them, notice this, into change of darkness to be reserved for the judgment. So I want to suggest to you that there are a group of fallen angels who are reserved in this pit for this specific time in history to be released upon the earth. Now their leader is Abaddon. In the Greek that means destruction, or in the Hebrew, the word Apollyon in the Greek means destroyer. And he seems to be a leader or the ruler over this abyss, this chain, this binding of these demons that are going to be released during this first woe, this fifth trumpet. Now, let's go look about these mutant locusts. Let's let's look at the facts that we know about them here. Because it's very difficult to try to maybe understand what these are uh, or who they are, and I'm going to explain some different interpretations here. But this we know. Number one, the locusts are p- possessed by demons that come and are released from this pit that have been held there for this judgment. They have a king over them by the name of Destroyer, who's apparently ruler of the abyss. And the locusts have a scorpion-like stinger here that torment men for five months. Now, the other thing we know is they're not permitted to kill anyone only torment them. It's going to be very similar to uh, when Job was allowed by God to be tormented, but the Satan could not kill him. And they can't touch those that have the seal of God, the 144,000, so they're not going to affect them. And then verse 12, of course, tells us that this is the first woe and it, it is passed. Now, there are some people who interpret these locusts as attack helicopters. Now, I'm going to explain that to you. And then I'm gonna tell you why I'm not sure I don't think that's what it is this is what they say they say well first of all it says the locusts don't eat grass well helicopters don't eat grass and they are prepared for battle they have armament on them they have a, a, a crown it could be the, the the rotor blades that are on top they have men's faces it could be two men a man a, an attack helicopter and their teeth are lined. they have a 7.62 a minigun on the helicopter but as well as rockets they have a breastplate of iron now if you were the old marines you had to sit on your helmets to be protected but now they have armament underneath uh, the helicopters to, to protect the men and it says that the sound of their wings are like chariot horses now what's the problem with that could be it's a possibility I mean how could John writing in 95 uh, ever describe anything that, like that but let me tell you, here's the problem. Let's go back and look at what it says about these locusts. It says, number one, the locusts have a scorpion-like stinger that torment men for five months. Now I want to tell you, an attack helicopter does not torment you for five months. It destroys you. It annihilates you. Have you ever seen a minigun on an attack helicopter? It will level a house. So that doesn't seem to make sense. And another thing here, it says they're not permitted to kill. Now, attack helicopter... For five months is going to kill you. It's going to annihilate you. So, whatever we, you know, and I've said through the book of Revelation, it's not as important to always know what these things are, but to know what they do. They torment for five months. Everyone here that's on the face of the earth. <laughs> now let's go on and look at the second woe, the sixth trumpet where men are killed by an eastern attack. Let's look at Revelation chapter 9 and verse 13. Verse 12 says, As one woe is passed, behold, still two more are coming. When the sixth angel sounded, I heard voices from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, for the day, for the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number. Thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth, however you say that, blue, sulfur, yellow, And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind were killed. Well, what plagues? By the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone, which came out of their mouths, the mouths of the horses. For their power is in their mouth. The power of the horses, if you, the literal translation, is in their tails, for their tail are like serpents. Having heads with them, they do harm. Now let's look at this 200 million attack here a minute. Verse 13 begins here with the second woe, the sixth trumpet, and I want to suggest to you that it's a pretty terrifying judgment because a third of mankind is going to be killed. Now you've got to realize that a fourth of the world, and if you say the population of the world is about a billion or four billion, about a billion people have already been killed, killed through the seals. And then when you take the trumpets, you know, and you have the destruction on the water and the trees and the the light, you're going to have more people killed. So what is remaining alive, a third of them are going to be destroyed by this plague. Now, let's go down by the riverside. (laughs) Remember that old song? Now we're going to go down to the riverside of Euphrates. Now, there are four angels. Again, these angels are reserved bound just like the locusts were bound and reserved for this judgment they are bound for this particular moment in history so right now there are these demonic locusts in the pit in the abyss ready to be released right now there are these four angels at the river Euphrates ready to be released but they're not released yet now notice this they're bound by God now I want to suggest to you why the river Euphrates is so important Number one, this is the point, this is the place of the first human sin. Why do I say that? If you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and you see the boundaries of the Garden of Eden, it lists the boundaries of the rivers, and the river Euphrates is one of the boundary lines of the what? The Garden. So this is where the first human sin was committed. It's also the place where the first human murder was committed by Cain and Abel. Uh, not very far from here, near Babylon, was set up the first world ruler. Now let's look at the river Euphrates today. Do you know where it's at? On the west side is Iraq. On the east side is Iran. Iran. Now, the Romans and the Greeks and the, and the Babylonians all considered the Tigris-Euphrates River the dividing line between the east and the west. John would have had that understanding. Now, what's interesting is these four angels release an army, and John hears a number, of 200 million. Now, the Associated press back 60 years ago in April 1961 reported that there were over 200 men in the army of China that was 60 years ago how many do you think they have now I'm going to come back to this in a little bit but imagine when this prophecy was written in about 95 AD or so there probably wasn't 200 million people who lived on the whole face of the earth so this was an unbelievable number to John. Now, what's interesting here is, again, other people like to describe this as battle tanks. And this is what they say. They say, well, the, the battle tanks, you have a 1.55-millimeter howitzer cannon. That's the, that's the smoke and the belching out and the destruction that's coming from it. They, and that's the face of the lion and they, they have men uh, manning these as well as you look at the description they have their power and authority in their tails, tail of a serpent you know you have the turret gun and what's interesting on the turret gun they have flash oppressors on them so these flash oppressors could be like serpents oh maybe maybe oh by the way the camouflage on a tank describes the colors you have here now what's also interesting is you look at that it pretty well describes the ancient Chinese armor as well and their colors. Go look at a samurai's armor which is be Japan but very similar to Chinese. Now, here's what's interesting here. In the book of Daniel, as we're talking about the Antichrist and we'll get into that in weeks to come, It says that Antichrist comes and makes a peace with Israel. But there are two nations that are going to oppose him and his authority, king of the north, which I believe to be Syria, king of the south, which I believe to be Egypt. So he sets his tent, it says, in Israel, made a peace with Israel, and he's busy fighting these two, the king of the north, king of the south. And it says that he hears of rumors of the kings of the east, of the army to the east, and he's worried about it. Could be this army that he's worried about. Just could be this army. And where does he hear they're coming from? East of the Euphrates. Now, let me tell you something. This is off my notes now. We just gave up Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Now you gotta realize geographically you have the you have Iraq, River Euphrates, you have Iran, beyond that is Afghanistan, beyond that is China. China now is building railroads and ways to get through Afghanistan into the Middle East. Russia is preparing to take a spoil, Ezekiel 38. It's going to involve Ukraine, they're sitting there right on the edge ready to take a spoil on Ukraine because Ukraine's got to be part of that list of nations in Ezekiel 38 they're going to come and take a spoil so folks we're not too far away from the potential of these things happening now the most interesting thing here to me is verse 20 and 21, the most, some of the most amazing verses in all the Bible. But the rest of mankind, the, the other two-thirds who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent. They did not repent. Of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. See, these things are not relational they're not human they're not God they can't see they can't walk they can't talk and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts now these two verses tell us that it, despite all of these judgments and all of these things that have happened men are going to fail to still repent and notice what they do they return to not following God, but following idols and and, and worshiping demons. Here are the most educated, enlightened men, probably on the face of the earth, and yet they're going to turn to witchcraft, Satan worship, occult, and astrology. And notice what we have in verse 21. I call them the four big sins of the tribulation. The four big sins. First there's murder. Murder. You seen any precursor to murder today? The next word is sorceries. You know what? That's our word pharmakeia, where we get our word pharmacy and drugs. Rampant immorality, crime. We already see the precursor of every one of those things. Defund the police. Let the criminals out of jail. Let illegal aliens come up by the millions and, and spread them around to these various cities and states so that we can have a political influence. By their way, we have to wear a mask, We have to take vaccines. They don't have to. They're a privileged group of people. And then we have a woke military. I thought I'd never see the day when our military became woke you know, we just are releasing thousands upon thousands of soldiers, Marines especially, that refuse to take the vaccine, so they're out. We're training people in our military about CRT, critical race theory. We're training them about, you know, apologize for being white and being American. Now, I want to tell you, China and Russia aren't training their men that way. They're building their military. They're training their military. I want to tell you, if we're not careful, we're not going to be able to win another war. Our leadership in our military, not all of them, please don't misunderstand me. And I am a patriot, and I love our flag, but I don't wrap my Bible in it. God is my authority. This word is my authority. But we're going the wrong direction. And it's precursor to all of this that we see here. Now notice this. Drugs. Pharmakia. What are we being controlled with? I went to have a simple visit with my doctor. He asked me if I had a shingle shot. He asked me if I had the COVID shot. I told him I did not. Still do not. Everybody has to make their own decision. I've taken other means. And when I got it, I took ivermexin and hydrochloroquine and other things. And uh, by God's grace, I survived it. So did my wife. But he sat down with me for 35 minutes I'm going off my notes, I know I am, about how I should do this. And I told him, let me ask you, do you think the one who's head, Fauci, who's head of our CDC, and this is getting political, I know, do you think he's changed his mind? How many times has he changed his mind? He says, well, you know, I don't worry about that because medicine is fluctuating. I said, listen, if I came in here and you were my doctor and you changed your prescriptions for me and you're and you're changing direction for me, as many times as you change it, I wouldn't trust you to be my doctor. And I wouldn't. I'm gonna say this to you and you can you can do whatever you want with it because this isn't biblical. This is Pastor Ed in his opinion. This is not a vaccine, folks. It's an inoculation. And we have been manipulated to obedience. And I tell you, it's not very far before we have to take a mark to buy and to sell. Now, I'm not saying this is it. This is fine. Everybody makes their own decision. But I'm just saying that, folks, it is what is precursing, what is coming. And we need to be aware of it. At what point... Now, we're not worshiping antichrist by doing this. We're not doing, it's not got that far but there's a world system that is pushing all of this and we better be aware of it. Okay, get off the politics. Let's go to the seventh trumpet. And if I offended you, I'm sorry because I didn't state, I need to stick to the Bible but I, at times I feel like I have to give you my opinion of where I th- see things are at. And that's all it is. It's my opinion. Okay, let's go back to the Scripture. Let's go back to the third woe, the seventh trumpet, the bowls of God's wrath. Now, if you go to chapter 11, you say you just skip chapter 10, there's a reason. I'll explain it. Chapter 11, verse 14, The second woe is passed, behold, the third woe is coming, and then the seventh angel sounded. Now, what's interesting here is these bowls are not poured out until the 16th chapter, The final bowls. Why is that? Why does God delay these final bowls? Because we're going to have an exciting time over the next few weeks. Because from chapters 10 through 15, God is going to lay out the major characters and the major events of the tribulation. So he pauses to say, okay, here's all this destruction, all these seals, these trumpets. I'm reserving my final bowls because I want you to see the characters and I want you to see the events of the tribulation. And that's where we're going, Lord willing, next week. So if you want to begin to see who those central characters and events are, we're going to spend some time into that over the next few weeks. So let's bring this down to conclusion today. God's allowing us to get a little peek into the future. and it's so important for us why he's allowing us to do this is that we could respond to God while he's still moving in our hearts and lives because Romans 1 warns us there comes a time when we no longer want to retain God in our hearts that God gives them up it says three times God gives them over God gives them over God gives them over God gives them up God gives them up God gives them up to vile passions. And I want to say this, folks, what's included in there is a man with a man and a woman with a woman. And he says it's against nature. It's against my creation. And I pray that none of us here today have become cold or indifferent to the Spirit of God in our lives. Because see, that's part of the falling away. When our hearts become cold and indifferent to God. So here's my question. What is God asking you to do? I want you to really stop and think about this. Kathy and I were evaluating this over the weekend. We're going to spend some further time this afternoon. What is God asking us to do? And what has he laid upon your heart? Now why is that important? Because we need to be doing it while God is still choosing to work in and through us by his amazing grace. Let's bow together. Amazing grace. How sweet to sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And Father, my opinions are not important, but I tell you, your word is extremely important. So as we've opened up your scriptures and we see these trumpets, and we see them falling particularly upon mankind, Father, we would take notice that now is a time of salvation. Those loved us, ones around us, our co-workers, our neighbors who have not come to faith in Christ, we need to be more concerned about their souls than fear to witness to them. We are afraid to speak. We're afraid we're going to be labeled. And Lord, I just pray that you'd give us the boldness while we have time to still speak your word to the hearts of men and women who need Jesus Christ so that we might save them from these judgments. So, Lord, if there's anyone here, I don't know everyone, that's never responded to your invitation. As many as received me, to them I gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on my name. That's Jesus. And this is the record that God's given us eternal life. A follower, John himself, said these words, that he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you have life? Do you have a Savior? Have you committed your life to Him? If not, and you've come here with someone, or you need to talk to me after the service, say, you know, I'm not not sure I've ever made that decision. Make that decision today. And if you're here and you've made that decision, what's God laying on your heart? What's He telling you to do? Do it now while there's time to do it. Don't put it off. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.